All right, what's happening? War Wrestling Live. We're here again with another amazing wrestler, wrestler mind, wrestler coach, just an all-around badass. Uh, she's the founder of How She Wrestles. She's the King U assistant coach. Uh, she's employed by Wrestle Like a Girl. Uh, she's Team USA's number three ranked wrestler right now. She's the U.S. Open champ, the Pan Am gold medalist, and she's here with us. It's Julia Salata. What's happening, Julia? Thank you so much. It's an absolute honor. I appreciate Thank you. I know you're a busy girl. I'm happy to be here. Anytime I can talk about wrestling, I'm here for it. So I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Dope. You know, before we get into the questions, the elephant in the room, how has this pandemic kind of affected your life right now, your kids, as far as your wrestlers, your your coaching, plus your training? Uh, has How has that been affected through this process? Um, it's definitely been a, you know, multifaceted thing from a coaching aspect that's presented a lot of challenges. Um, our girls, you know, they got sent home from campus in mid-March and I haven't seen them since, but we've been keeping, you know, keeping tabs on them on Zoom. Um, we have like weekly Zoom calls with them. Uh, we were doing like workout challenges on the Peloton app and stuff. So making sure they're still getting their workouts in. Um, you know, we kept telling them the whole time, like, we're going to wrestle again. We're going to wrestle again. You're going to have to make weight again. And we're going to compete again. So just kind of keep their mind right as much as we can. Um, they'll be coming back to campus in a little over two weeks now. So it'll be good to see them. Um, I'm sure they're getting my nerves pretty quickly after that, but <laughs> I do love them. They're good kids. They're just, they're wild. That's for sure. Um, and then from wrestling a girl standpoint, it's actually been a time of a lot of productivity. Uh, I think when a lot of people, well, with this pandemic, a lot of people kind of put things on pause and we actually got to tackle some more projects that maybe were on the back burner before. Uh, we use this time the best of our advantage that, you know, for me having to coach and try to do this wrestling and girl stuff, I wasn't really doing a whole lot of coaching stuff because no one was on campus. So I can really focus on just those wrestling and girl projects, um, the state sanctioning stuff, the NCAA emerging sports status stuff. So we've actually been getting a lot done and, and more during the past four months than we did in the four months before that. So um, that's been a good thing. And then with training, just doing what I can. Um, I was fortunate that I still had access to a wrestling room and could train a lot more than most actually. Um, you know, I kind of made like a rogue little fitness center and stuff with everything I needed. So, I mean, it, it's been a change, you know, I don't have a team full of girls to work out with, but I still have my couple of partners that I could train with, um, you know, not with the same volume that I was before, but still was able to get on the mat. So again, took the best of my time. I actually probably needed a little bit of time off just to kind of rest and recover after what I thought was going to be the Olympic year and, and kind of gearing up for Olympic trials. So um, I think I made the best of the situation. Um, and I, I guess time will tell, but uh, it's it's been... I think I definitely had a better time with quarantine life the most. So can't complain about that. Yeah. And, and for you guys that were um, you guys and girls that, that were on that Olympic track and really, I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't ramp up the last six months. I'm sure it's been a plan over the last four years on what you were doing. Mm -hmm. What, um, obviously there was disappointment. You wanted to go to the Olympics, right? Um, mm -hmm. But what was the, how did you have to kind of regroup? I guess what I would be saying, like, cause you, you were probably like, okay, I'm going to go have a steak first and a big dinner <laughs> cause I can eat right now. And then so I actually bartended at a brewery part-time. Um, and when I saw the article that the Olympic trials were postponed, I had a friend come in and she was going to come grab a drink that night and just hang out with me and stuff while I was working. And I'm like, yo, can you also bring me a pizza? And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're bringing a pizza. I'm going to clock out. I'm going to have my shift here. We're going to eat pizza. She's like, you have Olympic trials. I'm like, two. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so the, the answer was pizza and beer. Um, yes, I love it. Yeah. 
But I, I think the hardest part for me was that I was planning on retiring after this year, whether it was after Olympic trials or after the Olympics, I was going to be done. Um, I'm, I'm 27, which in wrestling years is pretty old. I mean, wrestling years are like dog years on your body. Um, I kind of started on this professional track where I have some post-competitive career direction, um, still within wrestling, but something to do beyond my athletic career. Um, and I was just kind of ready to be done. Um, the primary reason being though, above all, was that I'm just beat up. I need surgery on both my shoulders. My back's messed up. I need surgery on both my feet. Like I'm just, I'm jacked up. Um, <laughs> I kind of like ramped up to this last year, like you were saying of like, this is my last go at it. If I screw up my body, I screw up my body. So what? I'm going to be done soon. Um, I knew that I could make it through a couple of months just, just to make that last final push. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, oh crap. I don't know if I can continue to train the way I have been for the last year and still be competitive. Um, so after they got postponed, I, I made the decision that I wasn't going to still go for 2021. Um, you know, at this point, you said it, this wasn't like a year ago. I decided to make this push for 2020. It was a four year decision. When I decided to go a whole other cycle, I was like, I'm committing to this for four years. So I owe it to myself to see it through, but I hurt, you know what I mean? I, I have injuries. I have things that prevent me from training twice a day, every day, like I used to. So it's going to be an adjustment in my training, mostly in terms of volume. Um, but I'm still going to do everything in my power to make sure that I'm in the best position come April of next year to make that team. Uh, I kind of have to put some of my professional things on, on hold, I guess. But um, what's another year? I've already put four years into this. What's one more year? So um, like I said, I'm kind of resting a little bit right now. Um, just training, you know, a couple of days a week. But probably in September, I'll pick it right back into gear and, and make that last push again. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that answers half of my next question, but um, what has it meant for you to wear the red, white, and blue? It's been such an awesome experience. And I think every young athlete, when they're a kid, like their ultimate goal is like to be an Olympian or be a professional athlete. And like, that's what every kid says. Whenever you talk to a young athlete, you're like, what do you want to do? Like, I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. And like, for so many people that's, you know, when you're a kid, you can, you know, your dreams are endless. I mean, they have no bounds. And then as you get older, you start thinking like, oh, well, you kind of like start learning your, your place in the sport as bad as that sounds. Like not every person is going to be a division one national champion. I mean, it's just, there's such a small percentage of people that can actually compete at that elite level. And I was that kid who was like, I can be an Olympian. I can do all this stuff. I can be on team USA. And you know, what sport was going to be in kind of change. First I thought it was going to be hockey. Then I thought it was going to be softball. And then around my junior year of high school, I was like, no, I'm going to be on team USA for wrestling. Mm -hmm. And then to actually see that come to fruition is pretty awesome to be in such a small percentage of people that really makes it to that next level and is successful. Um, and then it's just, you know, to represent your country, at any tournament is awesome. I mean, to, to win an international tournament and hear the national anthem played, I mean, you can't beat that. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who do a lot of great things for our country. I'm, I'm thankful for servicemen and women and all that. But in, in some regards, you're still representing your country on the biggest stage when you're, you're an athlete for the U.S. national team. And I'm really proud to wear the stars and stripes. And uh, anytime I get to put the USA on my back and go out there and compete, it's, it's, it's really a proud moment for me, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's funny. I, I know you talk about like kids' dreams having boundaries. I know my, my 11-year-old right now, his goal, he's going to have a farm with 10 cows and two chickens and and he's going to have a house in three states, and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him, but I think, I think it'll come in a little bit when he gets it's an, When I was six years old and people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I used to say that I wanted to be a pig. So I think <laughs> I, I've exceeded my own expectations from six yes, years old. Yes, you did well. You did way beyond that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, it'll be great to see you on the Olympic level. You know, Obviously, I, I just got to meet you, and now I can root for you. Well, I was rooting for you before, but I can root for you more now. Um, 
So, and maybe part of this is, is your drive to slow down. You've been coaching now at King University and um, talking to you prior to the show, it seems like that's a passion of yours. You, you really love it. You also wrestled for King University. Uh, what has the difference been between experiencing college and then kind of being on the observation side and getting to coach these kids now? It's definitely two very, very different perspectives, that's for sure. Um, when you're an athlete, you think you have all the answers and that you know what's right. And, you know, I, it's, and especially too, because now my head coach, like my boss, is the coach I wrestled for in high school. So, you know, at first it was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's crazy. Like, I don't, uh, like, yeah, I won two national titles, but like, he didn't do anything. Like, you're not, that's not, you know, exactly it. But it was always like, I knew better. Like, I always thought that I knew better. <laughs> And then when you're, it's different because when you're a coach, you realize that even as the coach, like you don't have all the answers, but that's okay. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like as a coach, there's times where I have to like ask my head coach, like, Hey, like she just asked me this question. I think I know. And if you actually start second guessing yourself when you're the one who actually has more, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like you did I'm, it. When you're a high, when you're a college athlete, you think you have all the answers and you don't. When you're a college coach, you probably do have the majority of the answers, but you think you don't. So it's a very big <laughs> kind of shift in mentality there. Um, but as a result of that, I think it's actually helped me a lot as an athlete. Like when I do one-on-ones with girls and we're spending 30 minutes on one technique, and it might be something that I'm, I think I'm pretty good at, even in my own wrestling. And then I'll like notice I'm doing something because I'm actually watching this technique happen. And, I, and then I'll like try, I'll be like, no, do it like this. And it'll occur to me that like, wait, I'm actually making a mistake in my own technique. And I can kind of fine tune and, and make those adjustments because I'm actually watching someone do it. It's not just myself trying to like fix my own technique. I can actually have a visual um, and be able to make some adjustments. But I think it's also kind of helped my work ethic a little bit. When I was an athlete, um, I worked hard, but it was always kind of like, as one of the better girls in the room, I was like, oh, I can get away with kind of slacking in this live go because I'm still going to win. Um, as a coach, it's like, I constantly have to prove myself. Like if I jump in with the girls for a live, it's like, it has to be game on because God forbid one of them think that I have any kind of weakness. <laughs> like I don't, they, I won't let them touch my legs. I won't let them score a point just because we're play wrestling. Like there is like no room for air. So it's like balls to the wall all the time. <laughs> so again, it's forced me to elevate myself and like be the example in the room. If we're doing like, we're going on a run and I go run with them. I have to lead the pack. Um, it's and I, nature. Yeah. Whereas when I was on the team, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm finishing the run. It's fine. And I was like, no, I have to be the best because if I'm not, they're not going to respect me, which I don't think is the case. I have a really good relationship with my athletes. But it's in your mind. That's the thought in the back of my mind is like, I have to be the best at everything that I do because this is their standard. You know I mean? How are they going to buy into what I'm saying as a coach? If this girl just, you know, this one-on-one pounder just ran a a hundred yards sprint faster than I did, even though I wrestled 136, you know what I mean? So, um, (laughs) but I think to different perspective you know again like even off the mat in college I was like you know I thought I could do what I want I could stay up late and you know go to bed or wake up early and go to practice and now like as a coach I'm like trying to preach them like no go to bed at 10 finish your schoolwork like sitting up in the dorms and talking until 2 a.m those girls are still gonna be there the next day eat breakfast together and like I think they're like oh we're fine I got it I'm like no trust me I know what I'm talking about yeah you've experienced it yeah yeah yeah, I've lived it trust me and sometimes I'm just like screaming into the void I'm like do what you want like they're they could (laughs) partying and they're not they're just staying up on night, like doing whatever yeah, that's the one thing um I had, <laughs> yeah i had darian i had darian cruz on darian toy cruz mm-hmm. and uh i asked him the same question because he's been helping over at lehigh a little bit while he trains and he said i don't know the real the one the one the time i realized hey i think i can do this was 
we had somebody wrestling and he came off and I like stuck my head into the coaching circle, probably where it didn't belong, but he's like, I don't care. I'm in the corner. And I'm like, yo, if you do this and do this, he's, he's, he's going to this side. You got to get this. And the guy, he says, the guy looked at him and was like, I got you. I heard you. And he goes, he's like right there. It was like this super cool coaching moment where he recognized me. He listened to me. He went out and did it and got the two points. And it was like, yeah, hey, that was pretty cool to see somebody do what I just told him to do. And, and, and I one wrestler in particular, Shai Sissenstein, who like, wants to learn everything. Like if you, like she, like you think a lot of wrestlers, you throw a lot of technique at them and then they'll pick like one or two things that they think are going to work for them, which is fine. But Shai's the kind of person that like, she wants to like master everything you show her. So I'll show her a ton of stuff. And just kind of, you know, it's like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, and so often like go out there and like try something that we worked on like that day. Like, we went to like a one-on-one, a quick like little technique session, like with her and a partner me, like at two o'clock, we'll have a duel at seven o'clock that day. And she'll go out in a duel and do something I showed her five hours earlier. And like, again, that's a coaching moment where I'm like, look at that. Or she'll do it in practice that day after I showed her and she'll, but then she'll text me after she'll be like, Hey, that thing you showed me actually worked. That's crazy. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, we have quite a few girls that are like that. Well, they'll go out and try stuff, but she always has this like light bulb moment of knowledge of acknowledging, like, hey, that actually worked. I'm like, crazy, right? Like, I don't I remember like, one of the things I told her this year was like, stop looking at your opponent's feet and like watch your hips. Like when you're wrestling, like don't don't stare at the ground, stare at like watch your hips. You can see how she moves. And she did it the whole practice, and she's like, dude, like my shots were so much better. I closed the gap, my hips were, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's why I told you to do it. <laughs> I know I, I was a sales manager. Like, you're, like an athlete, your, your immediate thought is always like skepticism. Um, and maybe not across the board, like not that you don't trust your coaches, but you always want to like know it works before you actually try it. Um, whereas a coach is like, no, just give it a shot. Like we're in practice. Like it's, there see what happens. Like it, awesome. No, that's fine. But like, we're not showing these things for no reason. Just do it. <laughs> so, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was a sales manager in, in the car business for a long time, and I remember, you know, you're a salesperson, then you move up, right? And I remember you would tell like a salesperson something, say this and say this. They were like, "That's stupid. It's not going to work." I'm like, "Just say it." And then if it when it works, they're like, "That that stupid thing really worked." I'm like, well, "Yeah, I didn't. I don't want you to fail. Like, I only get paid if you sell a car. Like, right. I want you to win this. Like you." Not that you don't get paid, but you know, we want to win. I'm not going to give you something to go out there and lose, right? right. That's pretty cool. Well, um, kind of like, like selling kids on things. Like it's kind of like how they said like, I got I bartend part time. It's like when I want to sell someone a beer, they're like, oh, let me get you know whatever. Let me get an IPA. I'm like, all right, do you want a 23 or a 16 ounce? And like we have a 12 ounce option, but I don't tell them that. And I also say, do you want a 23 first? Because I'm wanting to buy the more expensive one. Like so, it's like people almost kind of want to be like told what they want. And they're like, Oh, I want a 23. That's the best deal. I'm like, yeah. So when it's like, when you're telling an athlete, like, Hey, like we're going to go out there. I'm like, do you want a tech fall or pin this girl? And they're like, well, I want a tech her. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like the thought of like having a decision isn't even in their mind. I'm like, do you want a tech or do you want a pinner? Which one? And like, just see what they do if they go out there. And more often than not, it actually works. Like that's awesome. you these things for no reason. It's like, I, well, when you get, I don't know if you see, I usually have this hat on that says St. Pete Brewing Company. Love it. My, my sister and brother-in-law are partners in it. And my brother-in-law is the brewer. So it's been open like six years. So when you awesome. get down to Florida, we'll have to go out there and you can Absolutely. try. He's got a Milo's IPA that's really good. And awesome. out I love and he does some cool stuff. You know, he's doing some other things, some wood barrel stuff now. So it's pretty fun.
I yeah. saw in your, uh, beer, that's my thing. Yeah, I saw in your bio, you're mm -hmm. like, love craft beer. Cool. Love craft. Oh, Not always well. conducive to weight management, but I'm, I, I appreciate craft beer, so. <laughs> I love it. Well, let, let's get into, uh, into what, what you really are fighting for right now. Um, I know you started this, um, this movement, hashtag how she wrestles, mm. uh, created different pages and social media accounts and you've got the girls doing all these videos and stuff. You know, first of all, I mean, we obviously, we saw what happened with uh, the wrestler calling out women and doing the stupid things that was going on there, um, whether it was for attention or not, who knows, but, um, but you've got a really good movement going. Talk about talk about the movement. Talk about why you started it. What your goals are with it, and um, the floor is yours. So, without rehashing everything that's happened over the past month or so, um, basically there was this larger issue where our largest media wrestling outlets weren't covering women's wrestling. Um, they weren't giving fair opportunity to compete on you know cards. We weren't getting fair pay. Um, and the root of the issue to me overall was that we weren't getting the coverage we deserve, which leads into like, if you're not going to pay us fairly and you're saying it's because we don't bring in the views, it's like, well, that falls on you. Like you're not promoting us. You're not covering us. So how could people be interested in watching us? If they don't know us as athletes. Um, so I put a tweet out there that was just kind of like, it wasn't trolling. It wasn't aggressive. It was just kind of like, I, I kind of opened the floor to everyone on Twitter. I was like, if you don't watch women's wrestling, is it because you genuinely think we're boring? Or is it because you don't know the athletes and as a result, you don't have an investment in them? And like 95% of the people that responded were like, I don't know the athletes. You know, I, I am an Iowa fan, so I watch Iowa guys at the senior level. I don't, I have never followed women's college wrestling because it's not out there. Or I don't know these athletes' personalities. Like, but the over, overarching theme was that they don't know the athletes. So my whole thing is like, you know, if you're talking to Flow Wrestling or whoever it may be, like you can create value for the women athletes you have the platform to do it if you're at the u.s open you're not there's no extra cost to you to cover the women you're already there the men and the women are competing on the exact same match side by side all you have to do is turn your camera like it's not hard and they're not doing it so there, there is a long-term you know benefit to them but they're choosing not to so i was like how can we fix this like what can we do like now we know the issue and i'm like how about we just take it upon ourselves um, so I kind of had this idea of, you know, my original hashtag was going to be like, tell our stories. And it wasn't like, that was kind of like my idea, but cause that's like the concept of it is like, we need to get our stories out there. So I kind of texted a couple of girls who I'd already been talking to throughout this whole thing. And I was like, what do you think if we create our own platform and we literally just tell our stories and get them out there and, and just see what, see what the response is. Not like best case scenario, every single person in the wrestling community watches these and we get some traction and we start getting featured more worst case scenario we have some cool media out there if we ever need to like reference it for some reason cool um so i kind of got this group together and even though i i this was my idea this project has been a complete group effort from day one um everything from the format of it to doing the weekly topics has been all group collaboration i've just kind of been leading the charge i guess and kind of keeping everything organized um so we kind of did this, like, you know, like when Beyonce released, well, you might not know, but when Beyonce released her Lemonade album, she kind of teasered it with tweeting a lemon emoji like a week prior. So we're like, we're going to have our, our Beyonce lemon and we're going to just drop this graphic of how she wrestles. Um, Victoria Francis came up with this like sick graphic and right away we had everyone's interest. We, I was like, we're all going to drop it 4 p.m. Eastern. It's going to flood everyone's feed for a solid 20 minutes and then we're going to get people's interest. 
and it worked perfectly within like two hours we had like 600 instagram followers like 700 twitter followers we're like cool we haven't drawn in i really hope this works it's a dud if it's a dud like we're gonna look stupid um <laughs> so for that first week we're like let's just all talk about something that applies to us like whatever we feel like we wrestle with on the mat off the mat whatever we're gonna make a video and we're gonna drop them again all at the same time starting at 3 p.m on sunday and we started posting them. I started posting, we, we posted on our own social media. And then I would follow up by posting that video on the How She Wrestles social media. And we got instant traction again. People saying like, this is so, you know, this is so cool. Like I love so-and-so, but now I love me even more. But more importantly, we were getting a lot of people who were like, I didn't know who this person was before, but now I'll be sure to watch them. Like now I'm interested. And, and people like, like, you know, verbalizing this or tweeting it, whatever you want to say. Right. Um, and within the first, I didn't have a 24 hour number because I was on a, a Zoom call, but at the 23 hour mark with in the how she wrestles social media alone. So not including the videos we post on our own social media, just within the how she wrestles like Twitter, for example, the ones that I had reshared on our Twitter, we had 25,000 unique views in the first 23 hours. Wow. I didn't do the totals if you include our own social media videos, but I'm guessing it was pretty close to 100,000 unique views in total of all of these, which is significant for a 23-hour mark. Um, and it's just grown from there. Uh, we're over 1,000 followers on Instagram now. I think we're like 980 on Twitter. And we've started this kind of weekly topic series. So last week was how she wrestles with confidence. And this week is how she wrestles with injuries. So it's kind of like giving some structure to it moving forward so that you have a specific topic. And again, the primary goal was like, make people take notice of us, make people know that we have personalities and kind of like our humans, not just like, oh, the girls are on the mat. It's like, oh, that's so-and-so, that's Jennifer Kett, that's Emma Brunsell, that's Alex Gaudet. Like, I know this about them. So they're invested. They have, they have a point of reference kind of to know us. Um, the other thing we want to do is get younger wrestlers involved. You know, we have a huge problem with visibility in women's wrestling, and we want younger wrestlers to know that they have a voice and that they're seen and that they're just as valid as the boy wrestlers are. And so we want them to get involved as too. So now we've kind of started posting these graphics, like, we want to hear your stories. Like, tell us how you wrestle with confidence or injuries or travel or mental health or whatever our topics are going to be in the coming weeks. Um, and getting them to share their stories and then, in, you know, in effect, growing the project as well. Um, but we, we want them to see, you know, their role models speaking up on these issues and then empower them to talk about what they've struggled with or have succeeded with as a female wrestler. So it's still in its very early stages. I don't know what the long term is going to be of it because it was just kind of like an idea, like, let's see if this works. And it has. So now it's kind of like, oh, well, now what? Well, let's just keep going with it. Um, yeah, so Zoom calls kind of discuss next steps. Um, we have, we're kind of targeting a couple people to make some videos. Um, some bigger name UFC stars that have women's wrestling backgrounds. So those should be coming out pretty soon. Mm -hmm. um, it's just been a really cool project. And we've gotten a lot of support on it. And hopefully people are continuing to take notice. And maybe people that were skeptical about women's wrestling before are starting to buy in a little bit more um, through being able to hear these athletes talk about their experiences. So I'm hoping for good things moving forward, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I love it. And, and it's been... Uh... It's been fun to see. I, I watched, um, I mostly, I'm starting to kind of dabble in Twitter, Twitter, mm. Twitter, whatever. I, I'm, I got like 38 followers right now. So follow me on Twitter. I'm trying. Um, but um, on Instagram, I see the big squares. Like I see mm. you posting like this week, we're going to tell your injury story or mm. I see the lady that I put on your thumbnail. Like, mm. So um, I do see your, your stuff happening 
through that platform a lot. And now that I'm kind of dabbling, like I posted your your thing on Twitter and people shared it and liked it. So I was like, oh, that's a backing. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some people get liked, some people don't, you know? <laughs> She's, uh, so now um, talk about the Wrestle Like a Girl initiative. I know you're employed by Wrestle Like a Girl. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if both initiatives are probably going in the right direction. Are they the same? Or is it kind of two different, I don't know, two different paths to the same common goal? Or does that Within we have my two jobs in wrestling a girl. Yeah, so you do wrestle like a girl, you do how she wrestles. Are they yeah. both, uh, I know you put that there's a lot of things going on with wrestle like a girl, what the initiatives are, you know, things like that. But um, is it two different purposes coming to the same common goal or are you yeah. kind of both on the same road? The goal with both projects is just to grow women's wrestling and, and create more exposure and more opportunities. Um, how she wrestles, like I said, is mostly just like a get girls wrestling stories out there with the hopes that it'll increase our exposure, increase our coverage, get us fair pay on future pro cards, whatever you want to call them. Um, and Wrestling a Girl is an overall advocacy organization for women's wrestling. We're a nonprofit that's focused on growing women's wrestling at the youth, grassroots, high school, college, international level, all across the board. Um, and under that Wrestling a Girl umbrella, we have quite a few different kind of like under, you know, it's kind of like different I'm struggling with to use words here. Um, yeah, initiatives, I guess, is the right way to put it. Um, we have someone that's focusing on coaching development for female athletes. We have someone that's doing all wrestling a girl empowerment camps. Um, and my two kind of slices of that pie are collegiate initiatives and state sanctioning. So when I first got hired by them in August of last year, so I'm going on a year pretty soon here. Um, actually, yeah, I'm at one year. Crazy. Um, I got hired as the collegiate initiatives program manager with my primary responsibility being the NCAA emerging sports status uh, kind of campaign to become an NCAA emerging sport in division one, two, and three. So I spent the last year focusing on pushing that vote through, which it did. Um, division two and three voted yes back in January and division one voted yes just last month. Um, so that was a success, but now we still have a long ways to go. We have to become an NCAA championship sport. We have to get to 40 programs, which we will hear pretty shortly. Um, and all of that. So that's still ongoing as we move into championship sports status, but I kind of oversee anything collegiate within wrestling a girl. Um, we're also putting on kind of like a collegiate combine for women's wrestlers. We're calling it the Women's Collegiate Wrestling Festival, which is happening in two weeks, which is an opportunity for girls and college coaches to kind of network, um, talk about their program, their schools, their financial aid, all that kind of a thing. Um, so I kind of see all of that. And then at the beginning of COVID, like I kind of mentioned before, um, we kind of started tackling some tasks that were previously on our back burner, one of which was really going all in on the state sanctioning campaign. Um, we were already working on state sanctioning, but it was always kind of like as we had time to do it, whereas we had time now to really go hard on it um, and also get people involved within those states themselves that might not have had time previously. A lot of teachers and stuff who weren't working that were also coaches at their high school could really buy into helping out. Um, so we started assembling these task forces within each state, at which point I got hired on as the state sanctioning manager. Um, and we started assembling task forces in states that showed interest in wine at a women's wrestling that didn't already have it. And kind of working forward from there to start putting legislation forward and creating a proposal, um, getting an officials liaison, getting an athletic director's liaison, all these, and kind of just like putting pegs in poles to make sure that we are covering all our bases to get that state sanctioning push forward. Um, so we're currently working with New York, Virginia, Ohio, Alabama, 
uh, Minnesota a little bit, Nebraska, and I think I said Ohio and Alabama already, but those are, those are the ones in New York. Um, so also a lot of work, a lot of Zoom calls, um, but making a lot of really great progress. Um, with Nebraska, we're actually doing a webinar series these next, next three nights, tonight, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and just trying to grow women's wrestling at the high school level. Um, in 2016, we had six states sanctioned out of 50. Four years later, we now have 28 states sanctioned out of 50. So a huge improvement and it's happening faster and faster. So I definitely take on a role as dress like a girl, but we're doing a lot of good things to help grow women's wrestling. It's, it's, it's been a really cool um, organization to be a part of. You know, I think you, you each have a role, but it all helps the common role, you know, the whole uh, get it sanctioned. And these are all the little people around us to try to get that bubble happening, right? Well, that's yeah. awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, I see it, I hear it, uh, I see it all over. Um, it's awesome. I know down here in Florida, they had a huge push with Lindsay Dahl and, and her team and a bunch of other people. And um, it was cool. I think they sanctioned it, but I think it's next year. I think 2021 is the first time they'll be at the state level. As far as NCAA, do you, do you see when women get to that point, do you, do you, is your vision to have women and men at the NCAA championships together, or is it, we'll have a men's NCAA championships and we'll have a women's NCAA championships? I think they'll be separate. Um, and I think it should be separate, honestly. Um, my number one fear is that if they had women held alongside the men, the woman would be like a sideshow as opposed to being the main event like they deserve. Um, but more than anything else, it would just be too hard logistically to have those two events together. I don't know if you've ever been to like the NCAA men's division one tournament, but it is nutty. Like, I mean, it is like three full days of wrestling and trying to pack two whole tournaments into that same weekend in the same venue would be very hard. Yeah. Um, I would like to go. I, I, my goal is to go next year. Never been, but everybody tells me, including my kids coaches, hmm. that it's probably one of the greatest events you'd ever watch. It's just, it's the end of the year. yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I mean, I, I've sat in the stands at the Olympics and, to this day, I, I would tell you up and down that being in the stands at the NCAA championships is the coolest fan experience if you're a wrestling fan, without a doubt. Um, yeah, and um, I think somebody told me the closest to it is the Southern Scuffle. I think they say the Southern Scuffle is pretty, pretty fun to go to, too. So, uh, it, it's just, <laughs> it's an animal and it's so fun. And when you, I mean, when you leave the venue between sessions, you go out to a restaurant, it's packed with wrestling fans. I mean, you can walk up to any restaurant, any bar, and pick up a conversation with someone like that about wrestling, which to me is like half the fun. Yeah, just to be able, awesome. like, you know, in my daily life, like most of my friends, like even they they pretend to care about wrestling because they're friends with me. But at the end of the day, they don't actually care about wrestling. Whereas like you go there and it's like, you can talk to anyone about, you can talk about that session. You can talk about the world team trials coming up, anything. And like anyone wants to talk to you about it. So it's just like wrestling nerd mode on high. Like it's, it's so much. Uh, you mean wrestlers have friends that don't wrestle? <laughs> right what a concept no not not very many of them, but we do wow very cool yeah. very cool yeah i'd like to um uh before we when we're done here i'm going to take us off live because i have a question for you but i want to ask it to you off the air mm. um cool well keep obviously keep kicking ass in those initiatives and i think i said that right right yeah. mm -hmm. those initiatives um but uh, awesome, yeah. Like I said, I see I see the little posters, I see the the things, and I had Emma Bruntiel on, who I think you saw the video. She's mm -hmm. at like the 
24 or 25 minute part, she took about five or six minutes right there where she really, she really went after it. So it was, it was cool. And she's mm -hmm. probably one of those younger girls that are, are jumping in and helping you guys out. And, mm -hmm. um, I had Alex Lyles on, she was awesome. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get some girls on. So appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. yeah, absolutely. Well, I got, I got my 10 questions for you. Are you ready? Hit me. Let's do it. All right. Dixie Outpost or Bacon Land? Ooh, Dixie Outpost. <laughs> the funk roll or the leg lace? Funk roll. I shouldn't say that in free, for freestyle, but personally, I, I like funk rolls better. <laughs> Burger Bar or Broad Street Diner? Burger Bar. Waist roll or chest lock turn? Chest lock turn. Johnny Brusco's or Boomer Shine? Oh, Boomer Shine by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, head and arm throw or suplex? Suplex. La Corona or Casa Mexicana? Casa. All right. Love it. S single or double? Double. All right. What did I write here? Oh. Eat on Moore Street or I didn't care the other eats. Oh, I eat some more. Doesn't even matter what it is, it's eats. Yep, yep. Sorry, Pat. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Last one. High crotch or foot sweet? Foot sweet. Oh man, that's awesome. This was so much fun. I you have good Bristol questions. Yeah, I was trying to find I uh, what I did was I went to Bristol. I, I pulled up your college. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of tried to look around and I, and I don't know, I, it's the way I do it is I'll go, okay, hamburger joint, I'll look for hamburger joint or pizza. Mm -hmm. joint. And then, um, and then I found some cool spots. And then of course you're a freestyle wrestler. So I was like, well, shit, let me hit them with the freestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like blend in some wrestling into my questions because people were asking. Okay. But, <laughs> but and if you're ever in Bristol, you got to go to eat. That's, that's my favorite restaurants in town. Just like really, really good, like Southern soul food. Like awesome collard greens, mac and cheese, best cornbread you have anywhere. It's so good. Oh, all right. I'm leaving right now. I'll be there. How long does it take? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. It was thanks just, for having me. It's an absolute honor to have you. Um, just super dope. I'm gonna click the stop live stream just because I have a question. Cool. And uh, all right, Ward Wrestling Live. Bye, Julie Salada. Thanks for having me.